All right. Good morning. Let's uh, turn to John 17. John 17, and then we'll pray and um, ask the Spirit to help us this morning. All right, let's pray. Our great God of highest heaven, we pray that you would occupy our lowly hearts and own them all and reign supreme and conquer every rebel power. And don't, don't let any vice or sin remain that is resisting uh, the war that you are fighting for holiness and for truth. And uh, we're thankful for your love and for your purchasing of us with the blood of Christ. Make us yours forevermore, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today we're going to talk about the importance of prayer and then helping others to pray regularly and faithfully and encouraging others to pray effectively and according to God's will and then finally helping others to understand how God responds to prayers. And in all of those things that we're going to look at, they all can be applied to us as individuals. And that's not an accident. In this class on discipling, what you're going to notice is that a lot of it has to do with our individual relationship um, with God, and we can't really help other people uh, effectively if we're not um, growing in these and being becoming more mature in these as well. So that's the case as well with prayer. So we want to focus on our responsibility in prayer so that we can help others. The first thing that we want to see is that prayer is important. Prayer is important. Uh, we need to remember that the ultimate goal of discipling is to encourage our friend, fellow believer, to greater fellowship with God and greater personal holiness that glorifies God. And we need to teach others to know and to love and to obey God. Someone read uh, John 17, verse 3. Okay, so what does Jesus pray for His disciples? And really for all who would believe, He would say, um, it is that they would know God. That, that they would know God and that they would know Him. They would know Christ who, whom, uh, who was sent by God. And, um, you know, prayer is a way in which we come to know God. Just like we come to know, um, we come to know other people by talking with them, conversing with them. Uh, so we come to know God better as we pray. And so we need to encourage our friends to pray regularly. Christ uh, took time out of His schedule to pray. In Matthew 14 and Mark 1, we see Jesus going off to a solitary place. You remember, you know, as soon as He really started His public ministry, He started to gain all these huge crowds, and He had to make special time to get away and to pray to God. And He also prayed at the end of His life, before he was betrayed and arrested and crucified, um, he got away to pray. Jesus is constantly taking time, and he's also instructing the disciples to pray. In Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, uh, don't do it for the sake of yourself to, to draw attention to yourself, but go into your closet and do it quietly so that no one sees you. Um, Luke 18, a passage uh, that's coming up in our study in Luke, um, 
the parable of the persistent widow who's reflecting on the Jesus is reflecting on the importance of prayer there that you know you need to come like her to the unjust judge and recognize that she eventually gets what she asks for because she comes and and she comes regularly she comes shamelessly and we need to do the same for God and how much more will he give to us what we ask of him and then uh, not only does Jesus encourage us to pray through his uh, teaching to the disciples, but also we are encouraged to pray um, in several passages throughout the epistles that that we should pray for our leaders, we should pray for our country, we should pray for one another, we should pray for ourselves, and Paul gives us great uh, a great model for that as well. So prayer is definitely important, and as people who are going to be discipling others, we have the responsibility to encourage our friends to be obedient and persistent in prayer. And so if you're meeting with someone who doesn't have a healthy and and a consistent prayer life, it would be something that would be good to talk about, the importance of prayer. Why is it that we need to pray? You know, if someone says, well, you know, I, just have, I, I just don't make time for it, other than, you know, the, the few times... Um, a day that I pray, these quick prayers, I just don't have time for it. Then we need to show them the importance of it. And uh, here's uh, lots of passages that we can we can draw from. All right, the second thing we want to see is that prayer, uh, that, that we should use prayer in discipling. If prayer is important, then how do we encourage people to pray in our discipling relationships? Turn to uh, Luke 11. One of the most effective and natural ways to teach someone how to do something is simply to model it in front of them. Uh, If you actually spend time praying in front of your friend, um, you'll find that that he will hear your prayer and he will be able to learn from that. Uh, Think about how you learned how to pray. Think about how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He, he, He... didn't give them all those steps. He basically just gave them a prayer. Here's an example of a, a prayer that would be acceptable to God. Um, look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Notice how Jesus models prayer for His disciples. Someone read that for us. So maybe picture Jesus... Um, off in a distance a little bit, praying, and they just see him kind of being very serious, earnest about what he's doing. And when he comes back, they say, you know, teach us how to do that. It's that he's modeling. Maybe they're they're in earshot. They can actually hear what he's saying, and they're amazed by how, um, you know, perhaps you've had the experience where someone prays, you just sense that they're in the very presence of God. And you say, you know, I, I want to do that. When I pray, I want to, I want to be in the very throne room of God. And so they they watch him pray, and then they ask him how to pray. And so uh, we we can model uh, prayers for those whom we are discipling. Secondly, we can encourage prayer through instruction. Someone read verse 2. All right, then he goes on. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and so on. And the point was not to give them a vain repetition. You know, as the Jews picked up and, and in our days the Catholics pick up, the, they just if they just give this pattern prayer, this 
this cookie cutter prayer. Then if they just hand that to God and just keep handing it to Him, eventually He'll take it and respond to them. That's not the idea. Okay, it's not the you know the sinner's prayer that we often have people pray before they come to Christ. You know, uh, pray this prayer after me. I, I, Fred, repent of my sins and ask Christ in my heart. That, it's not that God's going to be manipulated in some way by a formula, uh, but rather uh, what I was suggesting is this prayer is actually a model for prayer in that it contains all the elements that we should have in prayer. And that is, it praises God at the beginning, and then it, then it acknowledges sin, so there's a, an element of forgiveness. It asks, and then it also yields. So, so if you think about it in terms of acrostic, it would be praise, repent, ask, yield. Pray. Okay, praise, repent, ask, yield. So you can kind of think through that little uh, formula as you're praying. There's there's other ones that people use, adoration. Um, I forget the other two, but confession and thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Acts. All right. So there's there's other ones I think that are important. The main thing every prayer ought to have something to do with praying, praising God, repenting or forgiving sin, and then asking. And when I say every, I mean um, not necessarily every because you have some examples in Scripture where um, I think it was one of the Old Testament kings before he, uh, or someone before they were going before an Old Testament king, they offered up a prayer to God. It might have been Nehemiah. Um, offered up a prayer to God. It seems like it was just a quick, you know, God, will you help me in this situation? I think those are completely appropriate. But in general, when you're sitting down to pray, um, you know, you should... You should think about this model for prayer. Model good prayer for your friend and, and then challenge them to take some time, set some time aside to actually pray. Uh, help help them to see why it's important to pray. And then uh, maybe another option is, uh, I didn't bring it with me, but there's a good book on learning how to pray called uh, A Call to Spiritual Reformation by, um, by D.A. Carson. And it's the best book I've read on prayer. And it's a book that I give out to our missionaries when they come, and uh, a book that I highly recommend. Something that could be read more than once and studied. He basically just takes, and we're going to actually draw from his book here in our study today. He takes from uh, the prayer, all the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, and he just offers some um, um, thoughts on each of those as to how it applies to our prayers. And then he has a nice section in the middle called Prayer and the Sovereignty of God, one of the most helpful um, treatments of that subject that I've seen. All right, so recognize that prayer is important. Uh, help the person whom you're discipling to pray. And then uh, help others to pray regularly and faithfully. Okay, we'll go through this one, then I'll see if you have any questions. Um, and these come from Carson's book here on a call to spiritual reformation. If you're going to pray, you need to plan to pray. Okay, we're we're not likely, and you you know this from experience. I know this from experience. If we don't plan it, we likely won't do it. Okay, so set aside time during the day to pray and encourage your friend that you're working with to do likewise. Ask them how they're doing. You know, keep them accountable. Don't just say, "Hey, go pray." Make sure you take time to pray, but actually come back and say, "Hey, how'd it go this week?" Or, you know, do you have anything scheduled for tomorrow? Um, we need to plan to pray if we're going to expect to pray. Um, 
Secondly, we need to we need ways while we're praying to avoid mental drift. Has this happened to anybody else besides me? That that we kind of start praying and then something's coming up later on today. Something happened last night. You know that that happens. And so we need ways to avoid mental drift. And here are some helpful ways that I've found and that Carson recommends. Um, speak the words aloud. Okay, if you tend to <clears throat> say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend 30 minutes this morning, <clears throat> but I always fall asleep when I pray. Or, you know, I'm going to spend 30 minutes praying, but I always end up thinking about something else. And then, uh, you know, a couple clicks later, I'm, I'm working on my, my project that I have to work on for the rest of the day. Okay, uh, instead of that, how about speaking aloud to God as if you're speaking to a person because you are. Okay, speak aloud to Him. Find a place where you can do that uh, and people won't think what's going on over there. Um, journaling, okay, writing out your prayer. I've found this to be helpful. I had a, a time where I did this every day, and I just recently tried it again, and it was very helpful. Um, just write out the whole prayer like you're writing a letter to someone. And what that forces you to do is to think to, to think carefully about what you're saying, and then it also for, forces you to focus on on what you're you're um, saying. There's also another value to that that we'll talk about later, and that is just when you're journaling with regard to your prayers, if you're writing out all of your prayers, uh, or at least you know one prayer a day or something, you can go back and see how God responded to those later and, and rejoice over how He's answered those requests. Uh, you could have prayed through other written prayers. You know, like this morning, I just prayed through the song that we sang. Oh, great God of highest heaven, occupy our lowly hearts. Okay, You can pray through those types of things. You don't have to use the same exact words. You can but just make sure that it's not about the vain repetition that says, you know, if I just, you know, <clears throat> pass over this little bead and pass this little prayer up to God, then God has to accept it, right? That's not the idea. It is, this is a prayer that someone else is able to word better than I am, and now I'm going to, I'm going to take hold of it in my heart and pass it on to God with a, with a genuine heart. I think that's completely appropriate. There's a whole book of prayers from the Puritans called Valley of Vision that, that might be helpful in that way. Uh, another one is just pray through Scripture. You know, are, are there prayers in Scripture that you can just, you know, Daniel's prayer. I've I've done this um, before as well. Just find, you know, Solomon's got some, a great prayer when he dedicates the temple. Um, you have Paul's prayers. You have Jesus' prayers. So take some of these prayers and say, you know, what what kind of elements in these prayers are helpful for me to pray to God? And or obviously the Psalms. You got the whole Psalms uh, written for that kind of purpose. Another way to avoid mental drift is just to pray through the membership directory. Know what you're praying about. Um, maybe not just the membership directory, but have a list of things that you want to pray for. Because if you just go and you say, well, I'm going to pray. What are you going to pray about? Whatever comes to my mind. You know, then two hours later you recognize you really didn't pray that about very much, uh, very much at all when you, when you were praying. So those, those are some ways that you can avoid praying uh, uh, avoid the mental drift. Another thing that we can do um, in order to pray regularly and faithfully is to have accountability. So pray with another Christian. Okay, have a prayer partner where you have time to to pray together. This obviously works great in a discipleship setting. Uh, also, you can keep track of your prayers and answers. I I mentioned this earlier. Um, you know, I, I do it on the computer, but you could do it in a notebook or a journal. Just write down the requests that you want to ask before God. 
Make them specific so that you know when God answers them. Okay, If you pray generally, you'll never know that God responded. Okay, pray for the whole world. Pray for all of our missionaries. You know, pray for all the missionaries in the world. Pray for all the Christians. You know, that kind of thing. You're, you're never going to know that God answered that. So pray for specific names, specific people, specific problems. God cares about them all. We'll see that this morning in the in the sermon. And then Carson uh, suggests that we should pray until we pray. Okay, pray until we pray. So he, he argues, and I think he draws from some Puritans who would say, you know, there's a a period of time for them they would pray sometimes for two or three hours and they would take that whole first half hour to hour just kind of getting into praying because you know how it, how it is where you you um, your mind isn't settled and focused on what you're actually doing for a time and so just keep praying until you do sometimes you just get well I, I got this time limit so I have to do it and I'm done and so uh, maybe it'd be more helpful to pray until we pray um, and I'll talk about how to do that, how to get into the mindset of prayer here in just a second. But uh, before I do that, do you have any questions on praying regularly and faithfully? Right up. I'm convinced that God God responds to specific circumstances through the prayers of His people. That He expects us to pray and He wants us to pray and He wants to answer those requests. Now, He doesn't always answer it the way that we want. We're going to talk about that later. But, but yeah, God uh, wants to hear specific prayers and, and wants to respond to those. Alright, so what kind of excuses come up when it comes to prayerlessness? Uh, that is, you know, I, I just I'm just not praying as much as I should. And these also are drawn from uh, D.A. Carson's book, Spiritual Reformation. 
What do you do if a person that you're meeting with is not spending time in prayer and just has every different excuse in the book for not praying? Uh, Let's consider some of those and think about how we can respond to them from a biblical perspective. Number one, I'm too busy to pray. Any idea what the Luke 10 passage is about there? About Mary and Martha, right? Remember, Martha's busy taking care of all the, the responsibilities and probably preparing a meal for probably 15 people if the disciples are with Jesus, which I assume they are, and maybe even more than that. And so it's a, it's a noble thing for her to be doing and an important thing, and I would say even a necessary thing, but not as critical as what Mary was doing. And Jesus said, I'm not going to take that away from her. You know, uh, Martha says, tell her to come and help me because I'm doing all the work and she's just sitting there doing nothing. And Jesus said, no, actually she's doing something that's the most important. And so the point is is that when people say, I'm too busy to pray, the, what they're really saying is that it's, prayer is not as important as what I'm doing to make me busy. Okay, So prayer is not as important as my work. Fill in the blank. If that's an actual job, if that's responsibilities at home, if that's whatever. So when we say, I can't pray, it's because, and I go back to the statement my dad always used to say that I remind you of often, and that is, you know, we have time for what we want to have time for. Okay? If we want to have time for prayer, we'll make time for prayer. Uh, we, we fill up our schedules with the things that are of greatest value to us, and if we simply don't fill them up with um, praying, then, then very likely... Um, that's not as important as it should be to us. And so our work must never replace... That's the point, that, that Martha was involved in all these things and, and, and she needed to recognize that her work should not have replaced her relationship with Christ. Um, so, let's think that... I mean, that's easy just to, to pile on people and say, you know, you, you just don't have your priorities right. But that, that's probably not helpful in discipling relationships. So maybe let's ask some questions. What would happen if you started your day with prayer? What happens if you go to bed a little bit earlier? What happens if you give up the newspaper or the you know the Facebook feed for the morning just in order for you to to pray you know um, or maybe there's something that's in your schedule that you fill up your time with that is causing you to to uh to have such a cramped schedule that doesn't allow you to pray now i um you know I recognize that you know, especially young mothers, it's difficult to have any time in the day to do this sort of thing. But, but for the rest of us, um, I mean, still we need to find whatever time is is um, available and use it to pray. Um, and then maybe maybe it's more than just a, a one time of day. You know, I'm going to pray for a 30-minute block in the morning or a one-hour block. Uh, but but kind of follow the pattern of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which is pray continually, pray without ceasing. That is, always be in the spirit of prayer. Always be ready to to bring a request before God. Um, uh, kind of your thoughts are constantly being directed at God as you sin. You bring that before God immediately. As you have something that troubles you, you offer it to God and say, listen, you know, I, it's not something I want to worry about or should be worrying about, so I'm going to give that over to you and pray and ask for His help. So first, I'm too busy to pray. Second, I'm too spiritually dry to pray. Um, if you're too dry to pray, that it, that's the idea of, you know, we, we start this prayer and just don't feel spiritually alive. Um, that there's so much 
vibrancy in our spiritual life that has been sucked out of us that we just don't feel like praying. Um, I would say that if you wait till you feel like you pray, if you feel like praying, you're not going to do it. Okay, so so make prayer a pattern because you're supposed to pray because this is a relationship. It's kind of like you know a relationship between a husband and a wife. If he only waited until he felt like listening to his wife, he might never listen to her, right? You know, I'm just too tired. I don't have time for this. I got other things in my mind. I got too many things going on. I want to spend some time in recreation. I don't want to listen. But but we make time to, to listen to our wife. Why? Because um, we love we love her. We I love her. Each man loves his wife. Okay. Um, um, okay. So pronouns are are critical when you're speaking. Got to got to get them straight. So spiritual dryness uh, can be overcome simply by recognizing that this is a relationship. Okay, not not a duty. Um, yes, it is an obligation that we ought to consider. I, I need to pray to God. He He owns me. Um, but but also this is my father. You know, I, I need to improve my relationship with him. And some of the ways to improve or to get out of that dry spell is again back to the. The prayers that you see in the scriptures draw from those, and the passion, the love there that you see, and then and then move from there. <clears throat> Third, I feel no need to pray. So if you if the person that you're discipling, or if you feel this, I don't feel a need to pray. Uh, sometimes at the root of that is really arrogance. If if you have long spells in your life where you go without praying, it says something about your confidence in yourself. Okay, and I should say. It says something about my confidence in myself when I go long periods of time without praying. Um, we feel that we don't need God, you know, we, that we can really just do it through a lot of effort, through a lot of work, and and I just don't need to to bring these things before God. And that, um, so so help them to recognize, help help yourself to recognize that that pride can all, um, be the the direct enemy of prayer. That. Self-confidence is the opposite of confidence in God. Fourth, I'm too bitter to pray. Okay, someone was was saying uh, I was reading somebody or listening to a sermon or something this week that said, you know, if we are people who are unforgiving, then every time we read the Lord's prayer, we 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 read our own death wish. Okay, the idea there is that you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who who trespass against us. And if we can't do that, then effectively we're saying we, we, we can't accept your forgiveness, God, because we don't believe that you've really forgiven us of such a great debt. And so our lack of forgiveness for others will actually hinder our prayers. And so we need to be forgiving and get over the bitterness, not harbor bitterness, but move on, um, be willing to forgive and recognize that the reason that we can forgive is because God has forgiven us in such a great way. Next, I'm too ashamed to pray. Okay, maybe because of some sin that we're struggling with, we have some sinful parts that are exposed to God, and we don't know how to approach God on that. And so we kind of hide those things, or we completely hide from it, Him uh, uh, altogether, like Adam in the garden. And uh, what we need to recognize is that God sees everything. He already knows your life. He already knows your shame. He knows the sin. So hiding doesn't do any good, right? All of the earth, and in fact, even Sheol, 
is laid open before the eyes of the Lord, Proverbs says. So God sees everything. His eyes search the entire earth. And um, he, he knows everything that's going on. Even the deepest recesses of our hearts, He knows. So there's no sense in in uh, finding shame at, in uh, before God because that shame has actually been taken upon Christ at the cross. And we can just offer those sins up to God. In other words, our forgive, offer prayers of forgiveness up to God and recognize that He will forgive. And then finally, another excuse for prayerlessness is that God doesn't seem to answer my prayers. Okay, God doesn't seem to answer our prayers. So we have an example of of this co-worker's wife who um, God responded with favor and responded according to the way that, that the believers prayed. But sometimes we don't get the answer yes that we want. And we need to recognize that uh, part of the reason could be James 4 is that we don't ask. Okay, So why is God not answering my prayers? Well, you didn't ask. Oh, okay. Um, and then the other reason is that sometimes we ask, but we ask with wrong motives. We do it in order to consume it upon our own lusts. And God says, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to respond to that. Or we ask without believing that well, God, here's the prayer and, you know, here's my huge prayer list. I've been praying for the same prayer list over and over again. You're not responding. But I don't really believe that you can. I don't believe my prayers really help in any way. So God says, because you ask with wrong motives or you ask without believing, you're like a double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways. You ask with wrong motives. You do it to consume it upon your lust. You see, we have examples or actually promises in Scripture that tell us that when we pray to God, whatever we ask in His name, He will give us. And so we hear that and we say, well, that's not true because I've asked for a lot of things and He hasn't given to us. But we're not asking in His name. That's That's the key qualifier there. He's not saying ask for anything and He'll give it to you. Anything in His name. So as we come to come to that uh, proper relationship with God, it's like um, George Mueller who's asking for people to be saved and, and he's doing it according to God's purposes and, and God's plan. And as he finds it, um, as he goes through his life, he finds out that every, uh, apparently every believer that he prayed for came to Christ. Um, and uh, so this wasn't just a you know, pray pray for all the believers. I think it was praying for specific people and here's how I'm going to kind of put feet, feet to my prayer. Uh, obviously, have some examples in Scripture uh, like that as well with Paul and Daniel and so on. And so recognize that God doesn't always answer yes, but He always answers. Okay, Sometimes He, asks, he answers to wait or He simply says no. And, you know, that's good. Uh, sometimes... Um, well, not sometimes. Whenever we ask for something, if God were to give it to us every time, it actually would be harmful for us. It's like your child, you know, if your child comes up to you ask you, ask you for something um, that actually might be harmful for them, they might be saying, well, my, my parents never respond to my request. And the thing is that we as parents know that that's actually not going to be helpful for you. So recognize that whenever God responds, He's not ignoring you like, not not going to listen but rather that He knows what's best for us and He gives us what is best. So sometimes we um, we simply need to recognize that God doesn't give us what we ask for. And other times He causes us to wait in order to build something in us that's better. That is patience, endurance, perseverance, like the woman who continually comes to the judge. And so those excuses for prayerlessness 
need to be countered with the Scripture. Any thoughts or questions on that? All right, another task of a discipler is to teach people to pray effectively. Um, a tendency for young Christians is to pray according to their own will and their own desires. We just talked about this. And so they, they, you know, they hold on to verses like ask, seek, knock, whatever you ask, you will receive, and so on. Um, and um, prayer should never be an impersonal incantation to get us things that we want, Carson says. He says, effective prayer is the fruit of a relationship with God, not a technique for acquiring blessings. Okay, so if you look at prayer like a little token that you put into uh, a vending machine, and that as long as you put in the token of prayer, that out will come God's blessing, then you don't understand prayer. Okay, God's not, God is not an impersonal force like a vending machine, okay, or an impersonal object in that case. But, but He is a person and He's desiring a relationship and for us to ask according to His will. And so we need, to, we need to learn to pray with right motivations and help the person whom we are discipling to pray with right motivations so that they come before God in that way. Um, so how do we do that? How do we follow God's will in our prayers? How do we know if we're asking uh, for things that are in line with His will? And the answer is Scripture. We, we, as we come to know God more, that's the hearing part. Okay, again, think relationship. We're speaking to God, but before we speak to God, we pray or, or we read the Scriptures. We, we understand what God's will is. We search the Scriptures to find out what God has to say about a thing. And as you do that, you you grow and change, and you, your mind come, becomes conformed to the mind of Christ, and as it becomes more and more conformed to the mind of Christ, that's when God's going to give you things according to His will. That's all God's will is. God's will is His desire to do what is best. And if we start to understand what God's desire is to do what's best, then we'll ask things in, in, um, that are consistent with His desires. So our desires become His desires. We start asking things that He already desires. And so, um, maybe this is not the case for you right now. You don't really understand God's desires for things and, and the things that you're praying for not being responded to. Then, I think just uh, pray for help. I mean, I think God would desire for you to pray for help in this area. You know, talk to others. Ask them to maybe study the Scriptures with you. And and um, it's it's all about a relationship. It's all about a seriousness and earnestness about building this relationship with God. And that's that's Bible reading and prayer. So that's why they're so so critical to the Christian life. Uh, Carson also argues to study the prayers of Jesus and Paul and see how their priorities in prayer ought to reflect our priorities in prayer. So if you want to know what kind of things you should be praying for, recognize that the primary things that Jesus and Paul were praying for were not physical. Okay, so I always I always try to make a qualification here when I, when I make this statement. Um, that God does want to hear about your physical needs, right? Give us this day our daily bread. So He does want to know about those. We have examples in the Old Testament of Asa, who um, I think it was Asa, one of the kings, um, 
or Uzziah, I'm not sure which one, but uh, he he started to get a pro, or he started to get a disease in his feet, and he didn't pray to God. Instead, he sought the physicians, and that was actually God's judgment on them on him was that he sought the physicians instead of praying to God. Now, that's not saying don't seek the physicians. What he's saying is, if you just seek the physicians, that's the problem because you have the great physician at your disposal, and that ought to be. Uh, one of the means, the primary means by which you seek healing. So, that's all the qualification. We should pray for physical things. However, if all that we're praying for is physical things, it tells us about how short-sighted our view is. Right? If all we're thinking about is the temporal and, you know, this person's toes not feeling well and, you know, my aunt's cousin is really struggling and um, with this physical problem, um, you know, it tells us where we are with with our relationship with God. Primarily, you look through these prayers in the, in the Scriptures, and primarily they're about the spiritual well-being of individuals, of ourselves, okay, of the churches. That's what we ought to be praying for, the spiritual. We, we saw last week in Daniel, there is a spiritual warfare going on, right? That's the main battle that's going on in the universe, not you and your hangnail. Okay, or not you, and even your cancer. Okay, not to sound cold and callous, but but that's not the main struggle going on in the universe. God's using that cancer for something bigger. Talk to Him about that. Okay. Um, so so we should pray for physical things, but primarily we should be thinking about spiritual spiritual things. All right, we need to move quickly because um, I said we wanted to have a meeting here after this for anyone interested in the missions trip for this summer. So, uh, understanding how God responds to prayer. Um, learn the, we saw, said learn the priorities. Uh, understand the goodness of God and that the God's goodness is the foundation for our prayers. Sometimes God does respond with yes, and so when that happens with your discipling friend, uh, the, the friend that you're discipling, then rejoice with them. You know, help them to, to learn how to give thanks to God following a response, a uh, uh, favorable response by God in that way. When God responds no, help them to see, uh, you know, that God, God's ways are not our ways. That as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so His ways are not our ways. And so we need to recognize that, you know, God sees things that we don't see and remind them about the times in the past when they prayed for something that they thought would be good for them that turned out it would have been terrible. Right? Remind them of those things that God lovingly said no. Um, so we'll talk in more length in a few weeks about helping people to deal with pain, specifically when God doesn't respond. You know, I, I, I'm sure you've been in that position where you prayed for something and God didn't respond, maybe something big, and you thought, that God could actually be glorified in allowing this person to live or in allowing this this physical problem to go away because that person could be used by you to accomplish great things and then God took that person. Okay, uh, Recognize that that God is the one whom we trust. Not our, our understanding of God's will. Well, God, I thought this was going to be good for you. We recognize when, when God says no in those circumstances, we say, well, then God, we trust you. We don't know. We, we thought this would have been best. We prayed for this. But we trust you. 
Um, let me read a quote that encourages us to persevere and utterly submit our own will to God's. This is from um, a book called The God Who Hears by Bingham Hunter. No matter how large a spiritual giant you may become, there will be days when God's answer to your prayers will be no. Despite your seeking, searching, and the outpouring of your soul, your Heavenly Father has decided against your petition. When this happens, your attitude becomes the vital factor. Are you willing to give your hurt, disappointment, perhaps even grief, to Christ who died for you, and then begin to pray again? Prayer problems are usually not intellectual, but volitional. What he means by that is it's not more of the mind, it's more of the will. In praying effectively, the submission of your will is directly linked with the finding of God's will. Prayer with God uh, prayer which God answers is offered with an attitude of submission. Are you willing to say, when God's response to your urgent prayer is not the one you wanted, have thine own way, Lord. Right? Like Jesus in the garden. If there's another way, then let this cup pass from me. But if not, let your will be done. Okay, That's the kind of attitude we ought to have in prayer. One of submission. God, I'm ultimately going to to give myself to you and, and allow you to to decide what's best. That's the idea. That's the kind of faith that God is looking for. That's the kind of submission God is looking for. Any questions or comments? All right, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for um, the examples that we have of godly praying in the Scriptures, in our past people that we've known, believers, and even in this church. And we pray that you would help us to become better prayers, not not that we're all buttoned up on the outside and have lots of eloquent words to say, but that we have a heart that is in tune with yours. Lord, help us to know uh, how to pray and help us to, to practice praying by actually um, doing it and developing that relationship with you that we so long for and the relationship that's that's most satisfying in this life there are so many things that we can give our time to but few things are as critical as spending time with you and so help us to be better at that and to help others to do the same in jesus name amen all right so